Hey, I want to welcome you here to Big Valley, especially those of you that are visiting with us for the first time. Welcome over in the venue, and I'm just really thankful for all of you that serve over there. And, and for those you, that are watching online, uh, welcome. Um, had a lot of uh, emails from people last night that were watching online. Some of them have never been to our church, and maybe that's you. You're, man, we sure would love to have you come and join us actually in, in person. Uh, take your, uh, your uh, program here just for a quick second. Um, guys, coming in uh, October, October 6th and 7th, we kick off uh, a new season in our men's ministry, and they've got a special thing called Escaping the Matrix. And uh, I've kind of talked with Rich, and, and it's going to be just a, a great, great time. You will have, uh, you'll meet new guys, uh, you'll have a great time of fellowship, and most importantly, you'll get into the Word of God. And I just believe that this is going to be special, and if you've never been a part of our men's ministry, come and check it out. They meet Monday nights and Tuesday morning, and they're exactly the, the, the same, okay? The, so if you're a morning guy, you've got to be at work early, then come to the evening one or vice versa, and come and check it out. And then ladies, uh, Repurpose started last week, but it's not too late. Uh, you can uh, come down here and be a part of a great gals study. Our own Colleen Frioli actually wrote the material, and some of our own gals are actually uh, teaching it. And I have the, the workbook in my office, and, you know, man, it just looks fantastic. You ought to be a, a part of that. And then you'll notice, ladies, on the inside, there were a couple of studies that were available. Don't call. Don't sign up. Those are full and uh, but re you can come and be a part of uh, repurposed and like the guys what great time of fellowship hanging out with other gals and laughing and crying and praying together but most importantly you'll get into the the, the word of uh, God together you know uh, I, I have these little sheets of paper and they're, they're kind of the order of how things are going to go at each of our hours, last night, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And we spent a lot of time praying and thinking and meeting uh, about what we think would be um, something that would honor the Lord when everybody arrives here. And uh, I know what the last song is before I walk up here. And I love to gather and pray, and we do that as a staff. I. I uh, love the music, it gets uh, my mind, you know, in a, in a place that it needs to be, spiritual things. I love the fellowship and all the things we do. I love the fact that we get to honor the Lord together through our giving. But there, there comes this moment when we're at the last song, and I know I'm going to walk up here, and there are a few things in life as weighty as a moment like this when the Word of God will be proclaimed. I'm not really sure we understand how weighty a moment like this is. And it's happening all over our city, our county, our state, the United States, all over the globe. There are people that are walking up to pulpits that may look like this. There may be bigger churches than this, smaller, maybe in a home. I don't know where it'll be. But there's this amazing moment where we hear the word of God proclaimed. And... Um, there isn't a weekend, it doesn't take my breath away. I just, whew, I know this is it, I know this is the last song. 
And um, Proverbs chapter 14 says this, there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that just seems logical, it, it just kind of makes some sense, you know. But in the end, it leads to death. And this is a verse that rattles around in my mind often as I go through life and think about my, my family and um, what happens here at the church, how I lead, all those kinds of things. That there, there, there is a way that can seem right to you as an individual, right to you as a man, right to you as a woman, right to you as a student, whatever it might be. It just seems right. It just kind of makes some sense. It's logical. But in reality, it, 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 it's not very good. It can just take you to a, a, a really, really crummy, crummy place. Psalms 25 says this, show me the right path, O Lord. And the assumption there is that we all realize that there's a wrong path. See? Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and, and teach me for you are the God who saves me. Beloved, there's a, a right path or a right road that you can go down which means that there's a wrong path and a wrong road that you can go down. Men, you can lead your family down a right path, but you can lead your family down a wrong path. You can choose to live your life in, in, in such a way that you're going down the right path. Now, it may seem right, it may seem okay, but it's actually the, the wrong path. It's the wrong road. And you and I have to decide what you're gonna to use to help you find that right road or that right path or that right direction. You, you can choose to use your intellect to help you determine what that is. I mean, some of you, you got your PhDs, right? You got your master's degrees. You, you, you've got your, you know, your, your BAs, man. You, I mean, you're, you're well-educated and you can choose to use your intellect to figure out what is the right path for me? What is the right road for my family? For some of you, it might be emotions. You just kind of let your emotions kind of take you down a particular path or a particular, Road, you, you let your emotions be the thing that helps you determine what, what's right or, or whatever. For some, it might be, you know, what, what does the majority think? If 51% if of the people, you know, in our you know, town or county or state or nation or whatever feel a particular way, well, that's how I determine what's right for me and right for my family. I let the majority determine what path I'm going to take as an individual or what path my, my family is going to, to, to take. I guess there's lots of ways to try to determine that. For those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, it's the Bible. This is what we choose. This is the, the tool that we choose to help us figure out what's right. It's the tool that we use to figure out what's the right road or the right path that we're to take. That doesn't mean we don't use our intellect. We certainly do. 
But it's this. This is what we have chosen to say. This determines you know, what's right for me. It's right for my family. And and I want you to know, it it, it keeps things kind of simple. At least it does in my life. I I don't, don't, it doesn't matter to me what the majority think. It doesn't matter what my neighbors think. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. Those things don't matter to me. All that matters to me is this. It just kind of keeps my life simple. A lot of it doesn't make sense to me. There's a lot, of, a lot of words in here. And there's much of it that I don't understand. There's much of it that I go, really? And though I don't understand it, I still say, God, good enough. And I'll just, I'll just live by this. I'll leave my family down this. And, and you know, um, a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people, you know, will call you names and say all kinds of weird, crummy things about you. That's okay. I, I can handle that. Over the centuries, even today, I've got Christian brothers and sisters that are losing their life. I can handle some crummy comments being said about me. Can't you, Christian? You can handle that, right? I mean, we, we, we understand that. Proverbs chapter 3 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. He'll show you the right path to take, right? Never let yourself think that you are wiser than you you are. Simply obey the Lord and refuse to do wrong. If you do this, it'll be like good medicine, healing your wounds and easing your, your pain. See, sometimes it's possible to overthink some things. God clearly makes a statement. He's crystal clear about the issue. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're a pretty smart guy. You're a pretty smart gal. And, you know, all of a sudden you hear some pundits on television or you read some book or something, and then you begin to maybe use your intellect and you kind of think, wow, I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy, I'm a pretty smart gal, and the next thing you know, you're, you're, you're overthinking it, and the next thing you know, you're going down a path that seems right, but the reality is it's not God's word, it's not what God's will is, and it ends up in a, in a really crummy place. Jesus put it this way, In Matthew chapter 4, he says, people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is how the people of God live. This is our nourishment, if you will. Yes, we have to eat breakfast in the morning. We all ate breakfast probably. And we need that. That gives our physical bodies the energy it needs to function. It's, it's, food is just simply energy. It's, it's, it's a, a caloric intake, and then our body takes that energy and uses it. But the food that you ate this morning at the breakfast table didn't do anything for the spiritual man within you. Nothing. That's this. It's the Word of God. This is what we as believers live, live by. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. In other words, something may seem right, but it's the word of God that helps us figure out what, what is right. It's the word of God that helps us determine what is the right path, what is the wrong path, you see. 
It corrects us. The Word of God corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This is what God uses right here. It's this. Right here. Most of you in this room probably have eight or nine of them. Here in America, there's unbelievable how many Bibles we have in our homes. And if you don't own a Bible, we, we, we've got some in the altar. And one of the greatest things we do is hand out copies of the Word of God to people. And if you're here and you don't own one, man, or you're watching online, listening on the radio, you want a Bible, you call Big Valley Grace and we'll, we'll put one in your hands. We want you to have the Word of God for, for, your, for yourself well, for those of you that are visiting with us, every weekend here at Big Valley Grace, we, we spend time looking at the Word of God. That, that's what we do. Lots of people gather like this. I don't know, you can have Cub Scouts that gather, the Sroptimus Club gathers. Uh, lots of people gather in, in meetings like this, and they, they do all kinds of stuff. What makes the church super unique is that when we gather this is kind of the, the, the central focus of all that we do. All the songs that we sing are all rooted in Scripture. In fact, a lot of the lyrics that we were singing earlier literally were taken from Scripture. Certainly the principles that are, are in those songs are taken from Scripture. Our children's ministry is all about, you know, they're, they're laughing and they're fellowshipping in their own, you know, way, their own age-appropriate way. But, but there comes that moment when, when we, they get into the Word of God. And we want children at age-appropriate levels to understand the Word of God. Obviously, when our men's ministry meets, we, we get into the Word of God, but when you got a bunch of men in the room, uh, you, you can talk a little bit differently. You know, when I just did that men's thing a couple of weeks you know, ago down at, in Merced, and it's just a bunch of guys, I, I understand who my audience is. When I talk to teenagers, I understand who my audience is, and my message will be a little bit different. Our women, when they gather, it's, it's a bunch of gals in a room. We're still looking at the Word of God, though there may be uh, things that are just applicable to gals or, or guys or whatever it might, might be. Now, before I, I uh, get into today's message, I, I always like to do a review of where we've been so that we're all on the same page, especially those of you, for those of you that are visiting. We're studying the book of Ephesians or, or the letter that Paul wrote to a bunch of believers at a church in Ephesus. He wrote the letter about 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of, of, of Jesus. And in the first three chapters, Paul reminds the Christians, you and I, of a bunch of really cool things that God has blessed us with. Paul tells us that we've been chosen, uh, our lives have been redeemed from the pit of hell, our sins have been forgiven. We've been made spiritually alive. God gave you the Holy Spirit to indwell you forever. God lives inside of you. God made his power available to you to help you navigate life, Christians. God gave you direct access to him. God gave you an inheritance. God is preparing a home for you in heaven when you die. God made you a, a member of his church. You're one with other believers which is why Paul said this in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4. He says, I, uh, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. 
So in the first three chapters of this great letter, Paul tells us about all these great blessings that God has poured out on us. Then you get to chapter four and, and kind of the, the letter changes. And Paul says, because of all these great things that God has done for you, believer, live a life worthy of your calling. Live a, a God-honoring life. And Paul goes on to give us a taste of what a worthy life looks like. He says it's a humble life, it's a gentle life, it's a patient life, it's a life that bears with one another, it's a life that works hard at keeping the unity. And then last week, uh, we saw that it's a life that puts to use the gifts given to them by God, which goes right along with what Marty was talking about earlier. One of the ways you, you live a God-honoring life, one of the ways you, you live a life worthy of your calling is when you use the, the gifts that God has given you. You put them into practice, you see. And, and that's why we, we, we make such a big deal about this uh, around here at Big, big Valley Greats, because the Bible does. Now, this brings us um, to my message for today. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 17. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, the notes are, are in your program. They'll be on the jumbotrons. Um, but the Bible says this. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. Uh, this is where we get off track. Our culture today just doesn't seem to have much shame anymore, does it? There's just no sense of shame. You look at the television programs today, you got naked and afraid, you got teenagers having babies, you got, you got all this stuff going on, and it's just like, there's, there's no shame. You listen to the lyrical content of, of of a lot of music, and you just think, wow, you, really? There's just no shame. The, the reality shows that are out there today, th there's no shame. In fact, the, the, the more sinful you, you live, you're more apt to get a reality show. There's not this, you know, People's consciences are just been seared, and I'm gonna, God doesn't come back, I'll talk more about that, that next week. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. <laughs> Boy, that, 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 that's our culture today. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. That's not what you learned. That isn't what you learned about Jesus Christ. You didn't learn all that trash and ungodliness and, 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 and sensuality. And you didn't learn that from Christ. Not you, Christian. It's not what you learned. 
since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lusts and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and truly holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we, all, we are all parts of the same body. And do not sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives uh, a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good works. And then give generously to others in need. The idea there is, is quit, quit just taking things that don't belong to you. Instead, get a job, work hard, not just so that you can take care of yourself, but that you can also take care of other people. That's the mentality that a follower of Christ is to have. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, now here's the thing. Last week, this week, and Lord willing, next week, I've, I've kind of morphed these three messages uh, together, but th th there are two major things that I want to point out in these verses, and the first one is super obvious. You, you cannot miss this first idea, this big major thought as you read these words from Paul, and, and that's this. The first one's this. The first major thought is that God wants you to grow up into a mature follower of Jesus. You, you just can't, can't kind of get that sense as you read those, those verses. God wants you to grow up. God wants you to mature in your walk with him. God wants you to make progress in your journey of faith with him. God wants you to quit living the way you used to live. Throw that life off and put on the new life and begin this journey and grow in this journey and mature in this, in this journey of, of faith with, with Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 8. He said, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. And here's this idea that, that the sovereign hand of God moved, and he said, okay, I want you, I pick you, I choose you, I choose you, I want you. You didn't choose him, he chose you, but he chose you for a purpose. And one of those great purposes is that your life would be transformed into the very likeness of his son, that you would think like Jesus, you would reason like Jesus. You would talk like Jesus. You would treat others like Jesus. The things that made, you know, that gave Jesus joy would give you joy. The things that, you know, bothered Jesus would bother you. And that's a process. It's a, it's a process that we go to and go through. And here's the deal: this side of glory, you know, beloved, you, you never get there. You never go, hey, today's it. I, I'm like Jesus. No. But the, the, the process, the goal is, is that you continue to mature, that you continue to transform into his likeness. 
Peter said it like this. He says, I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends. Be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You've got to grow. See, you can't be like Jesus if you don't know anything about Jesus. And there's only one place you're going to learn about Jesus, really, and that's here. This is the place that we learn about you. This is how we, 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 we grow right, right here, you see. Hebrews chapter 6 says, let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again and again. Instead, let us go on and become mature in our understanding. There, there is a place for the basic elementary teachings of Christ. There's a place for it. Everybody in this room, I don't care how long you've walked with God, we all had to start at ground zero, basically, right? There's nothing evil in, in starting, you know, at ground zero. But the thought is, is that you, you got to get beyond that, and you keep maturing, you keep growing, and all, all, all that. Second, or First Timothy chapter 4 <clears throat> says this, do not neglect the spiritual gift you have received, through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you, Timothy, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Beloved, let me ask you a question, and the question isn't to poke you, poke you in the eye, you know. I just, maybe the Holy Spirit might use it to, I don't know, do something within your soul, maybe. Um, who could give testimony to, to your progress? Wow, isn't that a great question? Who, who could give testimony to your progress? Your spouse? How about your children? How about your parents? What about your neighbors? Your friends? How about your Facebook friends? that little snippet of your life that they see, could, would they be able to say, wow, I've seen progress? <laughs> How about your boyfriend or your girlfriend? What about your coworkers? How about your church family? What about those in your small group, you know? Beloved, God not only desires that you grow in your faith, but, but he wants those that you do life with to actually see your progress. Because when you mature and, and grow and all those kinds of things, the Bible says that they bring honor and glory to your Father in heaven, right? Let, 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 me, let me illustrate this for you. I have this little tiny seed here in my pocket. You, you probably can't see it, but so that's a seed. And, and there comes a moment when, and I don't know how it all works, okay? But God chooses you, he draws you to himself, and there comes a moment when you, um, you humble yourself and you bow your knee, you bow your heart, and you give your life to Christ. You say, Christ, I want you to come into my life. I understand who you are, and I certainly understand who I am, and I want you to be a part of my life. And then a process kind of begins. You begin to grow. Something pops up in your life, and you don't know a whole lot about Jesus, but, but that's kind of your life. And for many of you here over in the venue, maybe you're watching online, this is you. You gave your life to Christ, I don't know, a week ago, a month ago, and, and something started to happen. 
Now, you don't know a whole lot, and that's okay. It's okay. I, as your pastor, want you to know, I get this. This doesn't bother me. I used to be here. I get it. There was a time I didn't know anything. There was a time when when the, the seed of the gospel, if you will, was imparted in my life, and, and this was kind of me, and I would call my friends up, and I'd meet them for coffee. This is before there was Starbucks and all that, and we'd meet at like a Perko's or whatever, and this is all I knew. You're going to hell, but Jesus will save you. I, I knew nothing else. That's all I knew. I didn't have any Bible verses memorized. I couldn't tell you anything about the Bible. All I know is, hey man, you're, you're, you're going to hell, but Jesus can save you. And that was my whole message. I, I, I couldn't tell you a verse. I couldn't back it up. I just knew, look, man, I love you, man. You're going to hell, but Jesus will save you. Yeah, that was always a, a great time. And it, and, it, and it finally got around to my friends. It was like, dude, you know, if Rick invites you to lunch, don't go. <laughs> because it's, it, it's really short, you know. He's going to tell you you're going to hell, and, but Jesus will, will save you. And, and, I, you know, and here's the beautiful thing about God. Um, I, I, I can just, many of them, some of them gave their life to Christ. Some of them are a part of this church right now. That was, you know, 30, I don't know, a long time ago, 40 years ago. And I'm, I'm sure the Lord was in heaven going, wow, that's brutal. Uh, you know, <laughs> but what he does, he just takes whatever you give him. See, it's not you. Don't think that highly of yourself. He just takes whatever it is you give him. I remember the first time, I, you're, you're going to hell, but Jesus will save you. And they said, man, well, I need Jesus. I need to have Jesus in my life. What? You, what? Well, yeah, you do. Well, what do I do? I, I, don't, I don't know. Say something. <laughs> Just say a prayer. I don't know. Just ask him to come into your life right now. Oh, come into my life. Is that all I got to do? I think. I think that worked. I, I didn't know anything. But as time went on, by the way, these are the exact same plants. Yeah, this one's a little bit, this, this one's a little bit bigger. In fact, there, there's some, there's, you, can, you can actually now see a little bit of action on this one. That's not fully mature. But, but, but man, all of a sudden, you can see some progress. And then the next one, obviously, man, th this one here, actually, it's got one the one little flower, boom, it's blown. The, 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 this, we, we now have some, some major action going on on this one here. And then finally, you know, we, we've got the, the big mature one here. And beloved, God, God, God wants you to bloom. This is what God wants. The, 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 nobody goes in and says, you know, wow, hope it stays there. No, this is what we all want. This is what God wants for our lives. Man, that, this thing here is unbelievable. The beauty of it all, the smell of it. This one here is just unbelievable. Now, obviously, the, the illustration you know, falls apart at, at, at some moment. 
But, but this is what God wants, is that we would grow in our faith, that we would become mature followers of Jesus Christ. It's okay to be here. Just get, don't, don't stay there. And some of you are, are there. You've been there for decades. You're saved. You're going to go to heaven. But God wants you to throw off all the old things so that you can keep moving uh, 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 along. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, look closely at yourselves. Test yourselves to see if you're living in the faith. You know that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you fail the test. And by the way, he wrote that to a church. He wrote that to a group of people who went to church and he said, look, look closely at your life. Test yourselves. See, I, it's possible to be in church. It's possible to come and sing all the songs and do all the stuff. And maybe you're really not in the faith. You just like being here and you like the music and you like the fellowship and you like the atmosphere. And, you know, you, how can you not like me? You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, just stay a while. But you, Paul, says you look at your life. And it's, listen, it's okay if you go, man, that's kind of me. But it's not okay if that's you, but that's been you for 20 years or 30 years. If you just came to know Christ, I get it. We understand the spiritual leaders of this church understand you're not going to be this. We, we get that. That's why we have the follow class, and that's why we do all the Bible studies that we do, because we want to help you, you see. That's, that's, that's the point. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, you know, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and, and that's your past victories, your past achievements, all the great ministry things that you've done, and all the failures and all the sinful things that maybe you've been involved in, and straining towards what is ahead, what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, look, I forget about all the great things that maybe I've accomplished in my life. In other words, he didn't rest on his laurels. See, we, we tend to take that and say, well, you gotta forget about all the crummy, bad things you did. Yeah, you need to do that too. But you also need to forget about all the good things that God has maybe done through your life. You put it all behind you and you just say, I, I, I wanna keep on straining. I wanna keep on moving. And what is the goal? The goal is maturity in Christ. The goal is to become more and more like Jesus Christ. The goal, the goal is to grow up into a mature follower of Jesus. The goal is to bloom. Because it's when you bloom that the world take, takes notice. See? I love what John said in 1 John chapter 2. He, says, he said, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That's pretty good, isn't it? 
I mean, in, in that clean things up, I mean, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, then, then the goal is, is to live like he lived. And when you do that, wow, you're, I guarantee you, you're going you're gonna to mature, you're going to grow in your, in your faith, all that kind of stuff. Now, why is this so important? Why is it important that you mature in your faith? Well, there's lots of reasons, but let me give you two big ones, all right? Number one, or eight. God wants you to grow up in your faith so that you'll not be tricked into believing weird things. And I'm going to take us back to a passage last week. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 says, We must become like a mature person, growing until we become like Christ and have his perfection. Then we will no longer be babies. We will, be, we will not be tossed about like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to fool us. They make plans and try any kind of trick to fool people into following the, the wrong path. Now here's the deal. Babies or, or infants, okay, they can't discern much. They can't discern between a piece of lint that they find on the floor and a piece of food that their mother gives them, can they? They just, <laughs> and they eat it. They don't know. It's not their fault. They just don't know. A, a baby can't discern between um, a, a paper clip and a spoonful of Gerber's. They don't know. It's not their fault. They, they just see a shiny thing laying on the floor and they walk over, pick it up, and put it in their mouth, right? They can't discern, listen to this, between a stranger that they meet in a park and their own mom or dad in some cases. See, an infant, a baby, just sees somebody having fun at a park, and they just run over, and they'll go and get in a car with somebody that's a total stranger because they can't discern things. Well, spiritual speaking, the same thing is true. A spiritual infant can't discern much either. They can't discern between a false teacher and a righteous teacher. They see one of those name it and claim it guys on TV and they think that that's okay. They think that every, you know, God wants everybody to be rich. And that God wants everybody to be in perfect health. See? That if you know Christ and you got some sort of problem, you know, like you can't see very well, well the problem is, is you. Hey countrymen, the problem's you. You don't have enough faith. If you just had enough faith, man, you wouldn't need glasses anymore. Well, that's just nutty. But somebody who's spiritually young in the Lord, a baby in the Lord, can't discern between that. And so they think, well, man, if I'm suffering, then it must be me. And they don't realize that the Bible says that sometimes it is God's will that you would suffer. And they're not smart enough to realize that some of these faith healers, you know, that they've died of cancer. How does that work? How does it work that they would die of cancer. That's just interesting to me. I saw a faith healer the other day on TV that was bald. I mean, can't you just put your hand on top of your head and make it grow, man? I mean, I mean, I mean it's just, but, but a spiritual infant can't, can't discern between those things. 
And they just go, oh, well, that, that must be exactly what God teaches, you see. A spiritual infant can't discern between a Jehovah's Witness who shows up at their door or a Mormon who shows up at their door or a Christian who shows up at their door, you see? Uh, when I was an infant in the Lord, you know, I could have had a Mormon show up and I'd have been hip, hip, hooray, let's link arms, let's pray. I'd have had a Mormon show up and gone, man, cool, you got a Bible too? And I'd have had the Christian show up and gone, man, this is great, man. Because I didn't know, you see. One of the reasons why we need to grow uh, uh, spiritually is, is so that we would be able to detect those crazy, weird things that are, that are, that are taught out there t today. Paul said this in Colossians chapter 2. He says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. And beloved, here's the deal. Infants in the Lord are way more likely to be captured, right? That just kind of makes some sense. That's why it's so important that you would grow and that you would mature in your faith. So that you would really know what God's Word teaches so that when somebody comes and they may have a book that look, looks like this, they may have a pulpit that looks like this, they may have a choir that looks like ours, they may have a cross out in front of their church, they may even send missionaries out all over the world. That doesn't necessarily mean they're us. Say. Now, now, now the second reason that God wants you to grow in your faith is this, is God wants you to grow, grow up so that you'll be able to tell others about what you believe in. Peter says, and if someone asks you about your Christian hope, somebody asks you why you're a Christian, well, why do you go to church? Why are you a Christian? Why do you go sing all those songs? Why do you give money? Why, why do you do all that kind of stuff? Always be ready to explain it. Do you know what you believe? Uh, as I told you, there was a time I, I didn't know what I believed. I just knew I was going to hell and Jesus saved me. But I couldn't explain much more than that. God wants all of his children to be able to articulate their faith, why they believe. If somebody were to come up to you and say, you know, I've been watching you at work, or I've been watching you at school, or I've been watching you on the golf course, and, or wherever, and I've noticed that there's something different about you, what is it? Could you articulate your faith? Do you know and understand what Genesis chapters 1 and 2 teach? God's original design? Do you know and understand what Genesis chapter 3 teaches? You know, sin entering the world. Do you know and understand what Romans chapter 3 teaches? That we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Do you, do you know and understand what Romans chapter 6 teaches? That your sin came with a consequence, death. Do you know and understand what John chapter 3 teaches? That God loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Do you know and understand what Romans chapter 10 teaches? That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will, will be saved. And all the other important things that you find in this book, do, do you know them? And if you, you know, came to Christ last weekend or last month or whatever, I, I get it. It's okay. Just relax. But if you've known the Lord for a long time and this is kind of still you, wow. 
Maybe it's time to, you know, make, make a change in, in your week, how you spend it. There was a moment when some people came and asked John the Baptist a, a question. It says this in John chapter 1. This is the testimony. This is John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? He came right out and said, well, I'm not the Messiah. Well, then who are you, they asked. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet that we're expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who have sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? Then John, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, said this. I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. And beloved, I, I think that's kind of what we're all called to be is a voice. We're all to be a voice for the Lord. We're to be able to help people understand, you know, who God is and what his original intent was and how sin entered the world and how we couldn't save ourselves and how God so loved us that he sent his son that God wants us to be the voice for him. We're no different than Isaiah. The issue is it's hard to be a voice for the Lord if you don't know anything. Now, it's not an excuse not to be a voice. I was still a voice. You're going to hell. But Jesus saved you. He'll save you. I was a voice. I wasn't necessarily a great voice at that moment, but I was a voice. I was doing something. I, I knew. I, I just knew I was sinful, man. I knew that I was going to hell. I knew I needed Jesus Christ. And so, man, I, I just had no choice. But I had to get with those that I loved and, and tell them whatever it is I knew. <laughs> this, I, I'm going to move to, to the next major thought because I, I know if you don't get this fill in the blank, you'll go home crazy. Okay, you <laughs> won't be able to sleep all week. So let me move right there, okay? Um, you, you know, how, how do you do it? Pastor Rick, how do I grow up? You know, give me a thought here, Rick. Well, you grow up when you make the decision to throw off the old self and you put on the new self. You put on the new nature. That was verses 17 through 24 of our text. Romans chapter 13 says it like this. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. One version says, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. In the book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, quote, putting on Christ is not one of many jobs a Christian has to do. And it's not a sort of special exercise for the top of the class. It's the whole of Christianity. Christianity offers Nothing else at all. Now, I don't know whether you agree with that or not, but I think it's powerful. Now, what exactly does it mean to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I think it means a lot of things, but let me share with you one big one. I think it means that we have to think like Jesus thinks. It means we have to have the, the same thoughts that Jesus thought. Now, let me ask you, did, you, did Jesus ever think about doing wrong? No. Did Jesus ever think about sinning? No. Did Jesus ever let his mind wander on the things that were evil? No. 
Paul says, don't think about evil. Don't think about sinful stuff. Don't think about how to gratify your flesh. Instead, clothe yourself with Jesus. And let me just tell you something. You look at all that trash that's on TV, trash that's on the radio and stuff, and you're watching these, these crummy, crummy, just evil, wicked programs. <laughs> you can't help but think about that evil. You can't help but think about that sin. You can't help but think about that wickedness. You can't help it. Which means you're just going to keep the old clothes on. And Paul says, don't even think about those things. Instead, clothe yourself with Christ. Put something different into your mind, in, in other words. I've told you this many times, but it's a good moment to do it again. The, the, the way you think determines the way you feel, and the way you feel determines the way you act. So what you think matters. What you choose to clothe your mind with, it, it matters, and it matters a, a, a lot. If you're going to live a God-honoring life, you've got to fill your mind with Christ. You've got to fill your mind with his word. You've got to fill your mind with godly things, holy things. You've got to fill your mind with the Bible, because if you're filling your mind with those things, it makes it really, really hard to think about how to gratis, gratify your sinful desires. Really hard. We've all heard that old saying, garbage in, garbage out, right? Well, that's true. You clothe yourself with garbage. You think about the garbage. You watch the garbage. You listen to the garbage, and that's what's going to come out if that's what you choose to clothe yourself with. Or you can say, I don't want to clothe myself with that. I'm going to clothe myself differently. I'm going to think about different things. It matters. Paul said this in Romans chapter 12. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What you put into your mind matters. Basically, what you put into your mind is what you're clothing yourself with. Look, <laughs> reading the Bible is absolutely critical. You'll never bloom unless you read the Bible. And I'm not talking about, you know, a little two-minute devotion. My, my small group, it meets tonight, um, we are going through my utmost for his highest. Okay? And then we even put together a Facebook page. It's private. In other words, you can't see it. And what we do is every day we read that particular day, and then we dialogue about it amongst our group in a little uh, messaging board that we have. But here's the deal. It, it, you know, it takes, a, I don't know, two minutes? Not even that. A, a minute to read the thing. My group knows that that can't be the only thing that you fill your mind with all day. It's more than that. It's way more than that. Reading that is like, uh, if you're going to clothe myself, it'd be like just putting a sock on, one sock. That's all I got on. Now, it's good. I, I got I to put a sock on. I mean, there comes a moment I got to put a sock on. But doing a small devotion like that can't be the only thing you do. If all you do is that devotion, you'll probably, yeah, you may get here. When I talk about reading the scriptures, I'm talking about having moments where you're reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures. And that takes it another step further. Memorizing the scriptures, that, that's a whole other step. Meditating on the scriptures, that's a whole other step. And if you're reading the scriptures, 
studying the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures, that's putting on Christ. That's how you make your way to blooming for, for, for the Lord. So maybe a, a question you need to ask yourself is, you know, how, how much of my life, how much of my day is devoted to really putting on Christ? Because if you're not putting on Christ, th then we know what the alternative is. You're just going to have on the old nature. The old nature is just going to be on you. And that's why it's so important to get into the Word of God. And please, don't, don't misunderstand me. We, I'm doing a, a, a small little devotional every day. My small group is doing a small devotional every day, and that's a good thing. Every morning we get up and do it, and we talk about it throughout the day. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that can't be it. That can't be it. It's important, but it can't be it. Over in the venue, stand in here, stand. And I just want everybody to close their eyes for just a, a quick second, okay? Just, just close your eyes. And while your eyes are closed, just, just think for a moment in, in your own mind. Man, of those four plants that Rick has up there, man, which one am I? Where would I be right now? And I know a lot of you in here, a lot of you, man, you're just blooming. You're a mature follower of Jesus Christ. Many of you might be one step down from that. But some of you are just new. You're, you're just this green thing. And, and God doesn't want you to stay there. God wants you to mature, grow, bloom, bloom. That's what God wants, bloom. There's only one way you're going to do that. And that's that you got you to put on Christ. You got to keep, keep, keep putting on Christ every day. Put on Christ every day. Get in his word every day. Study his word. Memorize it. Hard as that may be, meditate on it. Maybe this is a, a great moment for some of you to look at your schedules and say, you know what? Men's ministry needs to be a part of my life. Women's ministries needs to be a part of my life. Maybe CR needs to be a part of my life. I need to make a commitment to be here every week, not just once every, you know, three weeks. I, I don't know what it is, but I believe the Lord will speak to each of you. Father, thanks for a chance to gather in your name and worship you and fellowship and give and hear your word proclaimed, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all of those that are blooming here in our church. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would work in the lives of those that uh, are, are infants in the Lord. And maybe, God, they would see the seriousness of, of maturing, growing. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said. Amen. Hey, live for Jesus Christ, okay?